morning. So good to see you guys. My name is Kyle. We're so glad that you are here. Are you okay with being here today? Is that all right with you? Everybody okay with that? Good to be here. Glad to be here. Feeling pretty good. Anybody? Okay. Very cool. Hey, in case you don't know um, or in case you didn't hear, uh, Reality Weekend is uh, wrapping up this morning. And we've got a, just a whole uh, balcony full of students up there. I think you're going to sneak peek at them in just a second. But anyway, I want you to like say serious prayers for them because they've been sleeping you know, all weekend and ready for today, right? They're really ready to go. Um, anyway, I think we're getting a sneak peek. Are we getting a sneak peek of those guys? Hey, there they are right there. Y'all say hey at them right there. Look at them. That's awesome. They brought signs and everything. Y'all should bring signs next week, people. That is awesome. That is awesome. So they've survived the whole weekend, and here's what I'm hoping is that they don't fall asleep this morning and fall out of the balcony like in the book of Acts and somebody, you know, fall to their demise. So y'all pray they're awake, and uh, we're so glad you guys are here and all of you. And if you're a parent here today, um, as a result of Reality Weekend, uh, be a part of our worship service and pick up your student. We're so glad that you're here. It's been an honor to um, be a part of your students' lives. I know that Nick and Grant, everyone that leads student ministry, is just excited to be a part of their life and to pour into them. Well, I'm excited also to be here today because we are in week two of our series, More in Store. And I'm very excited to be uh, talking about this whole beautiful thing of more in store. And here's what we believe with all of our hearts. God has more in store for you. God's vision for us is more. God's vision is more in store for you as an individual, and we believe that he has more in store for our church as well. I want to throw a couple of verses on the screen that we looked at last week just to kind of uh, give us context of where we are and where we're going. Um, while the scripture's coming on the screen, I just want to say to the students upstairs, uh, the camera will come on about halfway through or somewhere just to make sure you're still awake, okay? So just know that's coming. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, here's what it says. Where there is no vision, meaning a direct revelation from God, a dream from God, direction from God. If we don't have that, it says the people perish. At the very least, the people will cease to accomplish what he wanted them to accomplish and to fulfill everything that God wants us to fulfill. So we need this vision in our lives for ourselves individually and also as the church of the living Jesus Christ. We need to have his vision so we can know where we're going, so we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Our hope and our prayer is that what we're doing in this series is helping you either embolden you in the vision that God's already given you or help you figure out and see and know what his vision is for your life so that you can accomplish what he created you for and what he designed you for. I also want us to look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And we're going to see this word more here in Ephesians 3. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, there it is, more than we might ask or think. So you go ahead, you start dreaming, you start thinking, you start coming up with ideas, you start asking for them. God says, I can outdo you. I can do more through you because of my power, because of my ability than you can imagine, ask, or think. And we want God to do great things through you. We want God to do great things through our church so that he can receive the glory that he so richly deserves. Last week we gave you this big idea and we want to bring it in again today and we're going to look at another one. But God has more in store for you than you had in mind. So I don't know what you envisioned for your life or what you envisioned for your life. 
God has more in store for you than you had in mind. When we talk about more, what do we mean by more? Last week we kind of redefined what we mean by more. We don't mean a mistake-free life. Nobody's going to have one of those, but we believe that he wants you to have more purpose. We don't believe that he's talking about giving you a problem-free life, but we do believe that he's talking about giving you more meaning. We're not talking about him giving you more money necessarily, but giving you more riches than money can buy. Here are some more mores that we think God has for you. We think God wants you to have more influence. We think that God wants you to have more wisdom. We think that God wants you to have more peace. We think that God wants you to have more joy. We think that God wants you to have more grace. We think that God wants you to have more fulfillment. Now, as I look out on the room uh, during the first gathering and this one, man, I know that some of you, like you have gotten a vision from the Lord and you are living it. You are doing it. And so I just want to encourage you a little bit. Some of you in this room, you are leading businesses. Some of you have started and or are leading nonprofits. Some of you are literally saving lives as you are in the medical profession, as you are a first responder, as you are a fireman. Some of you are leading government, and can't we all say we need good, godly people leading government? Amen? Some of you are protecting our city and our citizens as law enforcement. Some of you are in our schools teaching the next generation. Some of you are helping the hopeless. Some of you are doing the tireless, seemingly thankless job of raising kids. Thank you for raising your kids. Some of you are carrying out your God-given vision of spoiling your grandchildren. And you're really good at it. Some of you in the balcony, you're influencing your sports team. Some of you are leading campus ministries. Some of you are influencing your family toward Jesus. Some of you, you're getting on up in high school years and you're getting ready to go to college and you got it all figured out. You know where you want to go. You know what your major is. Some of you are living the dream. You are working at Chick-fil-A. Woo! How, it doesn't get any better than that, right? The point, <laughs> the point is, for all of us, if you know what God's vision is for you and you're living it, I want you to know God has more in store for you. God has more in store for you. Listen, some of you are still trying to figure it out. And we're not just talking to the balcony when we say this. Some of us, we're grown and we're still trying to figure it out, right? Like, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I want to encourage you today to let you know that God has more for you as well. And I believe what God has for you specifically, if you will lean in to what he has for you, is he has more clarity and he has more direction for you. And that's what you're desperate for in your life right now and we want that to happen. And I want to give you a few questions as you think about future, you think about next steps, you think about dreams, you think about visions, you think about God's plan for your life. You might want to jot these questions down, especially if you're still trying to figure it out in your life. Here's the first question. What do you secretly believe you can do but have never tried? What's that thing inside of you that you just, man, you're like, man, I think I could. Man, I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd just be incredible. But you're scared and you just never have gone for it. Could it be that God has planted that desire, that hunger, that thing inside of you? And even this morning, even with this question, with this time together, he's encouraging you to take a step of faith 
and to go for it and to live a dream that he's planted in your heart. Next question. Are you stuck in a list of excuses or doubts or missing facts? Meaning, how many of you potentially haven't taken that step to go in a certain direction that you feel like you need to go, you think God put it in you, you think you ought to do it, but you just got some excuses, and they're really good excuses, right? I mean, they're legit excuses, and you've got them, and you're sticking to them. Or you just got doubt. You're just wondering if you can accomplish it or not. You're fearing failure. You're just wondering if it would all come about, or maybe, just maybe, you don't have all the facts lined up. You don't have all the answers. Listen to me. If God's leading you to do something, I'm here to tell you, you will always, always have a list of excuses. You will always find a reason to doubt. You will never have all the facts. At the end of the day, following Jesus looks like our placing faith in him and saying, I'm going to do it and see what you'll do in response. Next question. What do you absolutely love to do? What is it that just gets you excited, causes passion to stir up in you? Especially if you're trying to figure this thing out and you're just trying to figure out what am I going to spend the rest of my days doing? What do you absolutely love to do? I just want to tell you, God's going to give you desires that are going to match up with your vision. It's the way it's going to work. If it's a God-given desire, he's giving you a God-given vision. What do you absolutely love to do? If you are grown in, in your career and doing life and you're getting paid to do what you love to do, you're a very fortunate human being, aren't you? You are. And some of you are there. Some of you are trying to figure it out and figure out God's direction for your life. Maybe that question will be helpful. One more question. Are you living the dream and vision God has for your life? Are you living the dream and vision God has for your life? Well, again, some people don't have it all figured out, and uh, you're not alone in that this morning, and you're still wrestling with that and trying to figure that out. I want to quickly tell you a story about a guy named Matthew Emmons, and his picture is going to come on the screen for you. Uh, Matthew was in the 2004 Olympics, and um, he obviously is a shooter, and he was in the gold medal round of the 50-meter three-position rifle event, okay? And Matthew was crazy good. In fact, he had just been going through the rounds to the gold medal round, and all he had to do in the gold medal round was hit the inner part of the target. He didn't even have to hit the bullseye, just the inner part of the target, and the gold medal was his. Well, there he was, final shot, gold medal on the line, should be an easy thing. He prepares himself mentally like he always does. He pauses his breathing. He takes aim. He fires, hits the bullseye. But the tone to indicate that the bullseye had been hit didn't sound. In fact, this next picture is the look that was on his face after taking that shot. You see, he had shot the bullseye, but it was the bullseye on the wrong target. He dropped out of being in the gold medal position all the way off the podium in the eighth place. The right shot on the wrong target. Oh, how we don't want to spend the rest of our lives aiming, accomplishing things that don't matter or having no target at all. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat uh, in front of you underneath. We'd love for you to grab one if you need one. And we're going to be on page 526. Proverbs chapter 3, 
verse 5 and 6. And I'll tell you this about these two verses of Scripture. These two verses are my life verses. Obviously, the whole Word of God matters to me. But these are the two verses that God has used um, most emphatically and profoundly in my life that I've just gone back to again and again and again and again in my life. And, and uh, so I'm sharing with you something that's very special to me, and I hope that it will speak to you this morning as we look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I want to give you this big idea this morning, and that is this. God has a plan for more, but we have to participate. God has a plan for more for you, but you have to participate. God, I want your blessings. God, I want your help. God, I want your direction. God, I want your fulfillment. God, I want your purpose. God, I want your plan. Great, good, awesome. Guess what we have to do to experience it? We have to participate. We have to engage by faith and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then I will do it. This verse begins by saying for all of us, look at it again in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This word trust, it obviously means faith, one and the same. To depend upon fully, to say you're in charge, you're in control. I count valuable everything you tell me to do and I'm going to do it. I trust you with all of my heart. So obviously faith is kind of a big deal in my life and what I do for um, my, my purpose and what I do in pastoring. I have a lot of conversations about faith with people. There are plenty of times where the question gets posed in some shape, form, or fashion. Hey, do you believe in Jesus? I mean, that question in some way gets posed a lot out of me to other people. And I hear a lot of people answer that question, yes, oh yeah, for sure, totally. A lot of times I get a story to go with it. A lot of times I hear stories like, yeah, when I was a kid, my grandma took me to Bible school, and they shared about how Jesus died for me and how he rose again for me, and I believed in him on that day, and yes, I trust in Jesus. And that is awesome, and we want that for everyone, young, old, in between. We want you to place your faith in Christ for salvation. But I just want to encourage you to note this morning that faith a lot of times is a little bit more complex than just a yes or a no. I want to give you this idea of thinking about a pie for just a moment. A pie. Okay? And if we want to look at pie kind of like faith, a lot of us trust in God with a lot of our faith. But there are slices that we keep for ourselves. There are slices of our faith that we decide not to give to God. So I want to ask you this question. What pieces are you possibly, what slice are you keeping for yourself? What slice of your life are you possibly keeping for yourself? In other words, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm keeping this for me to be in charge of. I'm keeping this for me to be in control of. Could it be that some of us are saying, God, I trust you with this, but I'm going to be in charge of my finances. They're mine. I don't, I don't think I can trust you with that. I think I can trust you with most of my heart, but not all of my heart. Is it possible that some of us are like, God, I trust you with all of that, but my career, that's going to be mine. Which direction I go professionally, I'm going to be one that calls the shots. I'm not going to consider your way on that. I think I'm the one that needs to call that shot. 
Could it be that some of us are like, God, I trust you with all of that, but I'm going to keep this slice of my family for me. I want to be in charge of everything that goes on with my family. I want to dictate and control how it happens and how it grows and how everybody goes. What slice are you keeping for yourself? Maybe you're like, God, I trust you with everything, but I'm going to keep this slice of happiness because I want to dictate and control my own happiness. How many of us by chance, just maybe, are allowing God to be entrusted with our eternal home, but we're not willing to trust him with our home here? Like, God, that whole heaven thing, I trust you for the rest of eternity, but for this little portion of time right here that I'm living, I want to be in control of this or of that. What slice are you potentially keeping for yourself? And the question this morning that's more important is, Will you trust God even with those slices that you as of late have been keeping for yourself? You have to participate fully in faith to experience the more that God has for you. Some of you are holding back portions of your trust in God and therefore you're not experiencing the more that he has. God has a plan for more, but we must participate. Look again at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, the whole pie, the whole enchilada, whatever you want to call it, giving him all of it. And then it says this, do not depend on your own understanding. Now, this is not what we're about to talk about, to belittle your intellect or your ability to comprehend things or to make decisions, but in comparison with God, my intellect and my ability to make decisions and my ability to understand things pales in comparison to who he is, what he can do, and how he understands things. And the word of God here is encouraging me, encouraging you not to depend upon, not to lean on our own understanding. So now we're getting to this area of facts and feelings, right? And it's something we all wrestle with. Some of us are more fact-based and some of us are more about the feelings. Sometimes we put our feelings in front of our facts. Some of us, we're all facts and there's no feelings. And so what do we do with this don't lean on your own understanding? Again, for some of you, you hear that word understanding and that just means all the facts. Some of you hear the word understanding and you're thinking about how you feel about the situation, okay? We all do both, but some of us tend one more than the other. Here's what we know. We've got to be careful with our feelings, right? And I think God gives us feelings. I think they're God-given. Our emotions are there. But if we're not careful, if we put our emotions and our feelings first, we can mess up royally, right? We can mess up royally. Um, I was um, about 18, 19 years old when I started preaching. And so when I started preaching, if I got an opportunity, I went for it. I didn't care where it was. I didn't care how far I had to drive. I didn't care how many people would be there or wouldn't be there. I was showing up and I got all kinds of stories. But anyway, one of them I'll share with you this morning is um, I was living in Oxford, Mississippi at the time. And I had to go to North Alabama to preach. And I was there all day and preached on a Sunday morning, preached on a Sunday night. After that evening uh, time was over, I actually went and had a meal with some people, hung out a little bit, had a good time. It was getting quite late and I had a pretty long drive back home. So it's late. I've been going all day. I was pretty tired. And uh, anyway, coming back, there is this stretch of highway that if you're not familiar with it, you need to because you never need to be on it. It's called the Natchez Trace Parkway. It's about 400 miles of highway that run between Nashville and Natchez, Mississippi. And on that highway, it's nothing but a two-lane, and all you're going to see, all you're going to see are trees. It takes you away from every 
town that could be near. It just takes you away from it, and the speed limit is 50 miles an hour. But that stretch of highway, I had to be on for a certain amount to get back from A to B. So I'm traveling from North Alabama back to Oxford. I'm needing to go ultimately south to get to where I'm going. And so I get back to the Natchez Trace Parkway. I'm already dreading it. It's late. I'm kind of going cross-eyed. Um, I am got to go 50 miles an hour, and i got to get up and go to work the next day. And so anyway, I'm heading back, and it kind of did a little loop on kind of, you know, uh, kind of interstate-like way you get on it and way you get off of it. But anyway, it looped me around. And in my heart and in my feelings and in my inner uh, navigational, you know, spot in there, I knew that going left was south and I needed to go south to get home. Well, I took a left and I was headed south. About an hour later, I thought, man, I should have reached the middle of nowhere <laughs> that I was supposed to reach to get off of this thing to head on over to Oxford. And about that time, I saw a sign and the sign read that I was headed north. I had driven an hour north instead of about an hour south. After getting really, really mad at myself for messing up, I turned around and went the other way. What happened in that moment? For, for an hour, I felt like I was going south, but I was really going north. Now, funny story, laugh at me, I got lost, but how stupid would I have been? How foolish would I have been to say, you know what? I know the sign says north, but I'm going to keep going south. Instead, I saw it and I turned around. Some of you this morning are coming to a sign and God's saying you're going the wrong direction and you need to turn around even though it doesn't feel like that's what you need to do. Some of you this morning don't feel like God loves you. Let me tell you what, the fact is God loves you. Some of you don't feel like God can forgive you for what you did last week, but I'm here to tell you the fact is God will forgive you. Some of you feel like God doesn't want me. The fact is God wants you. You may not feel the way you want to feel right now or feel that the truth is truth, but I'm here to tell you, you need to understand God wants you. He loves you, wants to receive you and forgive you. For some of you, it's not the feelings where you get messed up. For some of you, you've got to have all the facts. Right? Like you've got to have every fact there possibly could be. You are the research king or queen, right? You've got to know it all. And even when you know it all, you know that there's more. And since there's more, you're not going to make a decision yet. Some of you aren't moving forward in your faith because you are so leaning on your own understanding of the facts and you don't have them all yet that you're not willing to go forward in what God wants you to do. Here's what I know. If you're waiting for all the feelings to line up, and all the facts to be there, you're never going to do anything for Jesus. When it comes down to it, you have to hear what he's telling you to do and say, you know what, you've got it figured out, and I'm, I'm going to have all the facts, and it may not feel exactly the way I want it to feel, but, but I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going for it because that's the direction you're leading me in my life. Question for you. Do we let the facts determine our feelings or do our feelings determine our understanding of the facts? Do we let the facts determine our feelings? Or do our feelings determine our understanding of the facts? In the midst of every determination that we make, we better get direction from the Lord, knowing he has all the facts, and knowing that he is greater than our feelings. If you're struggling with faith, and some of you in this room are, and you're not alone, you're not the only one, if you have doubts and you're struggling with faith, you are not alone right now. 
If some of you are struggling with the facts right now, you're not alone in that. There are some people that are sitting around you that need more facts before they move forward. If you are struggling right now with your feelings, you're not alone in that. And I also want you to know that you're not alone in Scripture. Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to be at page 902 in your black Bibles, and it's going to be on the screen. Page 902. John chapter 20. Begin in verse 24. In John chapter 20, we are pretty much looking at the end of the story as far as Jesus' time here on earth. If you were here last week, we kind of looked at the early part of the story where he was just meeting Simon Peter and these other guys that would become his disciples, his apostles, his closest followers. He eventually would have 12. Well, in John chapter 20, we're, we're getting on towards the end. And at this point, Jesus has died. They put him on a cross, and he suffered there, and he bled there, and he died, like physically died. They put him in a grave. And three days after being in the grave, Jesus came back from the dead. Now I'm just going to pause for just a moment to make sure we don't blow past that because everything that we believe as Christians hinges on this truth. This is a truth that we find everything of our hope in. It is what excites us. It's what brings us together every week. It's what causes us to get up and to go Monday in following Jesus. Jesus is not dead anymore. He, I'm going to say it, y'all get ready, he is alive. All right, about 14 of you get that. I'm going to go again. Jesus is alive. This is everything. This is our hope. This is our salvation. This is our forgiveness. This is the reason why Jesus speaks. We listen. He came back from the dead. He's earned the right to speak. So we listen to him. He's earned the right to lead us and to guide us and direct us. And so we listen to him. Well, anyway, he comes back from the dead. And he meets with, like, um, his disciples And 11 of them were there, and they experienced this, and one of them wasn't there. Pick up in verse number 24. Verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. So he's had this nickname for quite a while, the twin. That's what they nicknamed him, the twin. I don't really know all the story. Maybe you know more of the backstory on that. I've never really heard really why they called him the twin. But anyway, they nicknamed the twin. We now have another nickname for Thomas in our culture today, and we most of the time call Thomas, what, Doubting Thomas. This is the same guy. The story we're about to read is how he got his new nickname, Doubting Thomas, okay? John chapter 20, verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So what we find here is that Thomas wasn't with the other guys when Jesus met with them just a few days earlier. And had shown them that he was alive. Thomas seemingly had left and said, you know what? If Jesus is dead and gone, I'm gone. If Jesus is out, I'm out. Thomas had no hope of Jesus coming back from the dead. He went back to whatever he was doing and he wasn't hanging out with them. He wasn't there for that experience. Verse 25. They, the other disciples, told him, we have seen the Lord. This is the same Lord. This is the same Jesus that just a few days earlier had died on a cross. And they're like, we saw him, we talked to him, we witnessed him being alive. Look at verse 25, it goes on to say, But he, Thomas, replied, I won't believe it, that Jesus is back from the dead, unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. I need to see it, I need to feel it, 
I need to know it. I need some more facts, and I need some feelings. I need all of it for me to buy in. I know y'all said y'all saw him. I don't believe you. The only way I will believe this is for me to see it and to touch it and experience it for myself. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. So I just want to point out a little positive here. Thomas has kind of started hanging out with them again. Seemingly, he's not completely gone. He's almost like, well, maybe I did miss it, so maybe I better hang out. He's edging back in, and that's a good, good thing. It says, the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Think about this just a moment. The doors are locked. There's 12 of you in the room. Everything's cool. And then dude shows up. I don't know about you, but I would need to hear these words too. Peace be with you. I mean, Jesus pulls a pretty good ghost thing here. I mean, he just shows up in the room. He freaks them out. And uh, it's just the way, you know, they were experiencing this. And so Jesus knows they need some reassurance. And he says, peace be with you. Goes on, verse 27. Then he said to, to who? To Thomas. Why does he want to talk to Thomas? Because he knows that Thomas has been struggling. He knows that Thomas wasn't there a few days earlier. He knows that Thomas thinks he's still dead. He knows that Thomas is doubting. He knows that Thomas is even to the place where, like, he's walking away from faith. He's walking away from confidence that Jesus is who he said he was. And so he has this conversation directly with Thomas. And here's what he says to Thomas. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. And notice what he says to him with compassion. This is not judgmental, getting on to him. Look at the compassion in Jesus. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. He knew that Thomas had grown faithless. He knew that his faith and his belief had kind of gone out the window. And he's like, I don't want that for you anymore. So here I am. Touch me, feel me, talk to me, ask me anything you want. Figure it out. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then verse 28, here's what Thomas exclaims. My Lord and my God. And here's my opinion. It's my strong opinion. If a guy dies and then on his own comes back from the dead, it is worth our exclaiming to him, my Lord and my God. Are you with me? Like if a guy pulls that off, it is worth me and worth you saying, you're it. You're the one. You're above everything else. You're in charge. I'm not. I know a little bit. You know everything. I'm trusting you. And so Thomas comes back to this place of faith. And then Jesus says to him in verse 29, you believe because you have seen me. And think about that for just a moment. Thomas did have a pretty cool opportunity that the rest of us don't have. He got to talk to Jesus. He got to see Jesus. He got to touch Jesus. And he says, you believe because you have seen me. And he's not taking anything away from the faith of Thomas, but then he speaks to me and he speaks to you. Okay? Jesus looks forward to 2020, all of us, 2,000 and something years removed from Jesus being here. And here's what he says to us. Look at what it says in the end of verse 29. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Thomas, you believe in me and that is what I want from me, but you have seen me. You have felt my hands. You have felt my side. You have all the facts and all the feelings and you have me here with you. But listen, there's some people coming behind you and they're going to be even, check this out, even more, more blessed than you are because they're going to believe in me without even seeing me. And that's where we are today. If you're a faith 
faith-filled person in Jesus Christ today, you actually, according to Scripture, have more blessing from God for your faith than Thomas and the other disciples did because you have believed in Jesus. None of us in this room have seen him physically. None of us in this room have touched him physically. And yet, as followers of Jesus, we have believed in him. And he says, there's more blessing for you. There's more blessing for me. There's more blessing for us because we believed without seeing him. Here's what I know. If you're wrestling with Jesus and will you believe in him, will you not believe in him? I don't know when you're going to come to this place, but I pray you come to this place of faith. And when you come to this place of faith, you're still not going to have all the facts. And you're still not going to have all the feelings the way you want them to be. But there's just this moment that you need to reach to say, you know what? He is who he said he was. He did what the word of God declares that he did. He lived for me as the son of God and he did it perfectly. And he took on my sin and my shame on the cross and he didn't stay dead. He came back from the dead. So like Thomas, I'm going to exclaim my Lord and my God. And that is a life-changing moment. Now, for those of us who have already had that life-changing moment, whether it was with grandma at Bible school or whether it was two years ago in this building or wherever or whenever it happened, listen, our faith is not a simple yes or no. Our faith is not a simple, well, a long time ago I believed in Jesus. The question today is, as a person who has been changed by Jesus, are we believing in him today? Are we experiencing the more of his blessing today because we are continually today giving him the whole pie, not holding any slices back. He is our Savior, but today he's still going to be my Lord. He's still going to be my Lord. He's still going to be my Lord so that we can experience the more that he has for us. Again, God has a plan for more, but we, we have to participate. We don't want you to get to the end of your life and have this look on your face. We don't want you to think, man, I, I thought I nailed it. I thought I was on target. I thought I hit the bullseye. What, you tell me it's all for waste? You telling me for nothing? You telling me I've been going the wrong direction this whole time? That's not where we want you to land. That's not where God wants you to land. It's the reason why he's speaking to you this morning. It's the reason why he's directing you this morning. The question is, will you participate? Will you engage with Jesus today by faith? And I'm talking to believers right now. I'm talking to people that have already experienced salvation. Will you participate by faith? Will you trust him with your career? Will you trust him with your family? Will you trust him with your happiness? Will you trust him with your finances? Will you participate him with him? Maybe today you're trying to figure out what path you ought to go. Verse number six, I'm just going to give it to you off the top of my head. It says to seek Jesus in everything you do, to seek his will. And then it says, after you've trusted him, not leaned on your own understanding, and after we seek his will in everything we do, it says that he will direct our paths, that he will show us which way to go. Some of you are trying to figure out whether you should go left or whether you should go right. I'm here to tell you, as you trust in him and not in yourself, and as you say, you first, Jesus, he's going to clear up the, fu the fuzziness. He's going to clear up the cloudiness, and he's going to show you what you need to do in your life. Maybe this morning you're trying to trust him with your career path. Trust him. Maybe this morning you're trying to trust him with your family. Trust him. Maybe this morning you're trying to figure out the path to heaven. 
Trust him. Guess what he will do? He will take you there when you place your faith in him. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. I want to thank you for every single person in this room. Young, old, in between. God, I thank you. I thank you for how you're working among our our, our lives and, and using us for your honor and for your glory. God, there's some people in here, they're living it. They're living the dream that you place in their heart. They're living out your vision. May they understand you have more for them even in that. There's some here in this morning that, that are trying to figure it out. Maybe they're young and they're just getting started and trying to figure it out. Or maybe they've been at it a long time and they still just feel like they're floundering around. I pray that today they would just give you the whole pie. They would let you be in control and you be in charge. Father, maybe there's some today that, that think they're on the right path. But you need to say, nope, you're going north rather than south. And they need to make a U-turn. I pray that they would make that turn. They would make that directional change. Father, there's some that may think they're going to heaven. They may think they're going to heaven because they've been doing good things. They may think that coming this morning helped out a little bit. They may think because they gave a little bit. God, you're the only one that provides the way to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't do enough good to make our way there. It only comes through faith in Christ and in Christ alone. I pray that we trust you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.